You know, sometimes I wonder um, where have all the cowboys gone and not well, listen to them. Cowboys. Where have all the cowboys gone? Indeed, Polico, where have all the cowboys gone? It's a good question. But here's a better question. Yep. Did you know we have a guest today? You know what? I'd heard a rumor. I'd seen it on the uh, on the thing, on the phone machine. That's right. We have but, a guest. and yeah, uh, Repeat guest. Repeat guest. Repeat guest. First so. coach. Coach to repeat, I think. Right. Yeah, first coach. We have former Arkansas Tech head coach, former Arkansas Tech athletic director, forward, former chair of Division II playoff football bracket, however you say it, whatever that is. Yeah, you but give a better intro when playoff. we do it. Yeah. yeah. Chair Steve the Mullins. Steve Mullins. Steve Mullins. He was a uh, – Clint had a good idea of asking him to come on because he uh, – can give some insight into what's going on with the Hogs right now because he was a former offensive line coach turned head coach. Uh, so he knows a little bit there. He pays attention to the Razorbacks, and so he he kind of knows what's going on and can kind of give insight from a head coach's perspective of of what's going on a little bit. And, and of course, the offensive line plays one of the big things we talk about, right? So uh, this is a great – conversation great interview as usual um you know we had when we had uh, coach mullins on last time it was a great time and this is no different okay so no Mike, it's, a, it's a it's a it was a great time we appreciate him coming on taking time out of his schedule uh be sure you like you share you subscribe um comment let us know what you think respond and uh hey you ready I'm ready. Let's do I'm it. ready. Kick it, Sean. Go, Sean Michelle. One, two, three, five. You've ever seen a lame man walk? Ever heard a dumb man talk? Never seen a blind man see? I promise you a change is seen. You ever seen a canceled death? Ever seen all the poor get fed? Ever seen a prisoner set free? I promise you a change is What is up, everybody? It's time once again for the Big C and Bigger T podcast. I'm Bigger T, Travis Johnson, joined as always by my best friend, Clint Clark. And Clint, we have a, normally when we have a special guest, I just kind of skip by you. Right, yeah. Yes, because they're more important. And they, and this one is as well. And by talking to you, uh, I'm, I don't not know saying, about that. I'm not saying this guest is less important. I'm just saying he got to yell at you an awful lot over the years. He did you know, yell at me so much, and, and and try to encourage you know fire you up to get you to run through tires and everything else back in the day. So I thought it'd be good for you to introduce our guest today. No, and you know, with a lot a lot of everybody's talking about the Arkansas offensive line right now, and everybody's bringing their experts. I'm like. You know what? I need to text Coach Mullins see if he's willing to come back on the podcast and just talk football. Like we kind of talked about our story together at Arkansas Tech last time, and I thought 
what better person to have on to talk football offensive line than Coach Steve Mullins, former Arkansas Tech head coach. How many times did you win Coach of the Year? Three times. Three times Coach of the Year. Former athletic director, under his tutelage, won the conference cup or whatever the cup is called a gajillion times. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Steve Mullins. Oh, well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, I did my best. I did my best. I have you did a, a great job. Thank you. A healthy <laughs> amount of fear and respect from that man. Uh, so you don't have uh, anything to fear anymore. No, I. You know, if you if you had a whistle on and you yelled first group ready ready, and blew it, I would probably take off running, and not even know why. <laughs> but honestly, coach was Clint ever in the first group. Uh, let me think. I'm sure he was at one point in time. Okay. You no, know, when he ran us, you know, he would run us. We yeah, you were in the first group running. Right. Yeah. First group would be like offensive linemen oh, okay. and defensive gotcha. linemen. Gotcha. Second group would be, you know, your like little slightly less fat guys um, would be your linebackers, quarterbacks, tight ends. And then you'd have your running backs, D backs, and wide receivers down on the other end. So yeah, yeah, had skinny had guys last. Yeah, well, skinny guys last. We always had different times to hit. I do remember the one time that y'all thought it was a good idea to turn on the sprinkler. Oh yeah, and the right guys through morale. How about that? <laughs> yeah, the guys <laughs> were running through it, and it was right in the middle of the field, and like it was hitting the tight ends and knocking them over because it had such a powerful spray. Right <laughs> it's it a little bit like a water cannon, no doubt. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was a good time. I mean, so Coach Mullins, how you been? I've been doing great. Been doing great. That's awesome. Enjoying my my time and really enjoying my children and. I have one grandchild that I sure have a lot of fun with. Yeah. Oh, it looks like you've taken, I follow Miss Liz's social media and it looks like you've taken to the grandparent role just like that. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, two of the men I probably respect most in this world, my father, Tom Clark and coach Steve Mullins. And they are both in their grandchildren's hands. Just putty. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she, there's not much she can do that's wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh almost no, makes that having kids worth it, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm real proud of my children. And yeah, I, I've been blessed with uh, uh two good daughter-in-laws and one good son-in-law too. So it, it it's it's worked out so good. I couldn't be couldn't be happier about it. Great deal. No, it it is nice when you look at your children and you see them being successful and it's <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Because I remember your kids back when from tech, and I'd always remember, you know, like a lot of times we would go to the movies and you would go with your kids to the movie on Friday night. I remember you were forced to go watch the Pokemon movie. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't remember what we're going to watch, but then like there you go to the Pokemon movie with Hunter and Mason. So Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun on Friday nights. I love taking all you guys to the movies. Yeah, no, that was always fun. The, the time we hung out together, and we had a uh, coach Ricono on like a couple weeks after we had you on. Um, and he needs to spring for better internet, first of all. Uh, <laughs> well, he, he, he's living way out in the hicks, yeah. He, yeah, he, he's out there. He, uh, but yeah, we it was it, it tested Travis's editing skills for sure, <laughs> yeah, to get, to get that pot to get that That's one right. to get that one. Like, it he kept dropping on and off. 
Um, but it, it was a good time. But we we got we were reminiscing about that meal that we had at Delta State. Um, how good it was! How good it was! Yeah, because I remember it's like a hole in the wall place, and I think Coach Cooley got gets credit for finding it. But I just remember we all every time we get together we reminisce about eating at that place. I'll tell you, that's the best thing about Cleveland, Mississippi, is the food over there. <laughs> they, they've got great food. They yeah. got, they definitely, definitely do. Well, um, we have a holy schnikes moment this week, and we usually don't do it when we have a guest on, but it's just too good. So there's a couple. And Coach, holy schnikes, are you familiar with what we're doing here? Has he, has he warned you about this? I don't know. No, I but I'm ready. Go ahead. What okay, is it? It's, it? It comes from, a you know, Chris Farley, the actor that passed away yeah, years ago. yeah. He used to say holy shnikes instead of holy crap, you know, or okay. holy cow. So it's kind of our holy cow moment of the week. Like, Kemp, did you hear this happen sort of thing? Okay, ready. So that, that's what it is. There was a couple, and I think their last name is McGinnis. Um, I looked at the article yesterday. Uh, but they are suing Disney for $50,000. 50 grand. Which isn't a large sum of money to sue someone for. Well, especially Disney. Yeah, Disney. Um, but they're suing because they got an atomic wedgie in one of the rides, um, the water park rides. <laughs> Their legs come uncrossed, and the wedgie was so bad that it caused injury, and they need $50,000 to make it whole. And they're medical bills? Huh? Medical bills? Well, I guess because they tell you to cross your legs, and I guess the legs come uncrossed, and they're like, they didn't warn us to the effects of what happens if we uncrossed our legs. Like, they told you to cross your legs. And apparently they're saying because of the female anatomy, and that's as far as I'm going to go, that it caused really significant damage. And so $50,000 from Disney is what they want because of an extreme wedgie. Now, I was telling coach before we came on about how my, I'm a petrified of heights. Just, I don't do it. Yeah. And so I started, cause you remember if either one of y'all did y'all go to wild river country? I know Travis went Yeah, yeah. back in the day and they had the lightning boat, which is the slide straight up that would give you a bad wedgie. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm scared of heights. I probably walked halfway up that thing and went uh uh-uh, more yeah. times than down. <laughs> but that would always give, that would always give a good wedgie, but I couldn't imagine, you know, yeah, them, I'm like I'm gonna need 50 G's. I had to pull this out my butt crack. Well, and that's why when you go to the water park, you watch other people go down these slides, okay. First, yeah, and then you look at what they go through going down them. Okay. First of all, I never went down the lightning boat because I was just as wide as it was. So I knew there was a good chance I was bouncing out of that bad boy. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> second of all, when you get my mass. Like everybody else, you know, stops at the, you know, halfway through the pool. Well, I'm probably going to go hit ramp into the kiddie pool when I get down to the Yeah, bottom. you're going like, to get a good. Yeah, like I'm going, <laughs> like I on all, all those water rides, I went all the way to the end of the pool every time. Yeah, makes so sense. I would watch the lightning bolt. And the one thing you would see is every person get up, picking their swim trunks yeah. or swim bottoms out of their derriere. Okay. Yeah. And I knew I don't want clothing up there. <laughs> so Park I'm not going to go yeah. up there and go down that slide. Um, so I think, I don't know. Um, 
I don't I don't know if they can sue for fifty thousand. If I was a judge, I don't know. I don't know if I would give them that. Um, tough, tough call, especially when uh, they tell you not to do something and you do it. Uh, right. You know. I'd almost give them credit though, because most people would have asked for like fifty thousand for the medical, and then two million right. for emotional damage. You know. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of money, but it's a reasonable amount. Um, it's not like they ask for, you know, just stupid money, like at least 50 grand. But still, you're going to go to court, probably going to go to trial over a wedgie. So, yeah. Heck of a well, deal. Yeah. Well, speaking of paying something like an atomic wedgie, yes. the Razorbacks uh, offense has been struggling over the last few weeks. Coach, have you paid much attention to the Razorbacks? You are you a, you watch most of the games? I try to watch as much as I can. You know, I probably don't watch every play, but I watch them when I can. And obviously I, I read about them in the Gazette every day. I read the mm -hmm. paper and uh, see what people say. The one thing I don't do is I don't go to any uh, – sites where anonymous people can say whatever they want yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i, I don't I've, I've never done that just something that uh, i'm old and that bothers me that you can say whatever you want to say and not put your name to it you know yeah, if you're, if you're man true. enough to say it put your name to it yeah and i'm off no. tangent a little bit but yeah i mean i watch them a little bit and then i i keep up with them in the newspapers too well, and of course, a big part of the focus, a big part of the problem we're talking about is the offensive line. Sure. What have you seen, you know, and you coached offensive line, you were a head coach. Um, you know, of course, you had a lot more hand coaching experience than what Pittman's had. Um, but what what are you seeing from this team? Because a lot of a lot of the fans are mad because they felt like we were sold this. Um, and I, I'm not saying we were sold this, but what, what a lot of the fans are saying, they felt like they were sold this. This is a really good team, you know, because you had KJ, you know, a fourth year quarterback. You got, uh, you got Rocket, at, you know, in a great running back room. You know, a question was the receivers, and they're actually turned out to be pretty good. Some of them, you know, I mean, they're they're looking pretty good out there. Um, you got a defensive line that should be great. Uh, which they haven't really played up. <laughs> the worry was about the D-backs. They've been playing pretty good, and linebackers seem to be doing good. The biggest problem we see is I mean, we got some linemen grading out at 24% starting yeah, offensive linemen. Yeah, it's a tough deal. And first off, the, the league that you don't want to be poor in the offensive line is the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, all you got to do is go back and look at all the drafts and how many first-rounders come out of the SEC. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. So you're playing some grown men across from you. And then, the, you know, and, and obviously they had people that graduated and all those kind of things. And you have a change in the offense. And, and I know a year ago, two years ago, people would try to be very critical of, of Browse as the offensive coordinator because he would do some things sometimes that people didn't agree with. 
But at the end of the day, if you look at the statistics, you know, I think they were in the upper third in all the offensive categories in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was moving the ball. He was scoring some points, all those kind of things. And everybody has different talents. I don't care what – I don't even care if you're the, the punter. You have mm-hmm. different talents. And so, in my opinion, what little I know – Jefferson has a certain amount of talent that fit into Browse's offense. And now as uh, Enos is coming along, it's a different style mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily fit <coughs> what, um, you know, Jefferson's talents are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always a struggle because you want to do what you want to do. And in the long run, maybe it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, I've been there as a coach about, you know, here's something I really believe in. And all of a sudden, I've got a team that, guess what? What I believe in, they can't do. Mm -hmm. And and it's a hard adjustment. You know, one year uh, at Tech, and one of my favorite players was our best kicker, a guy named Mark Eversman, who – ended up being our starting quarterback because we ran out of quarterbacks. Hmm. Now, we had a losing record. We finished five and six, but we still managed to win five games with Mark. And, and you know, all of a sudden you have to adjust everything. Yeah. And so I'm now going backwards, you know, trying to do what Jefferson does best, but you've also got to do what you think your offensive <laughs> line can do best. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going over the top, though. If you got a bunch of receivers that run a 4-7 and you really believe in vertical routes, well, you can believe all you want to, but guess what? Those guys ain't never going to be open. Yeah. Never. And you can scheme up things, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this to get them deep, but guess what? They run a 4-7. Yeah. They'll never get deep. And so trying to, you know, not only do you have to judge the individual talent of the offensive line, but more so than any group out there, those five, and then when you attach the tight end or, or one of the running backs, those six or seven have to work as a unit. Mm. So what can this individual do? What can this unit do? And then, you know, you hear people talk, and I don't even at the NFL level, when you don't start the same offensive line two weeks in a row, there's issues. Well, there, there is. Yeah, you get used to what that guy beside you can do, and, and um, you, you've you've got to know here's what the offensive line can do, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great your quarterback is, which obviously he is, mm-hmm. how great your tailbacks are, which they are. If you can't execute something up front, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, the old saying, I'm going back 100 years ago. Everybody looks the same laying flat on the ground. Yeah. You know, when your quarterback's looking up at the sky, you know, everybody's talent looks the same. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, and I, I don't have any kind of inside knowledge. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I know they know what they're doing up there, <clears throat> but you've got to fit the talent first. You know, if a guy, well, and that would... if a guy can't pass block, guess what? You know, five games from now, he still can't pass block. Yeah. You know, it's just well, and that's that was one of my big questions I had for you was this. I've seen this on the high school level. Uh 
I've never really paid attention to it as much in college because, um, to be honest with you, I, I kind of watched uh, when I was a youth pastor in Camden Fairview, I watched them go through this. Go, but, but when they put in a new offense that was very different, it took about half a season for a team that was very talented. Okay. It had, it had a group of sophomores that Camden ended up putting uh, 11 of those players in college scholarships when they were seniors. Okay. So no, I ain't that again down there. That's where I'm from. Yeah. 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 And yeah, they so, raised purebred stallions down in Camden. No know. doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. But this Minus was, three. this was, uh, Jim Youngblood, DeAnthony Curtis, their, yeah, their, yeah. their sophomore year. Buck James came in yep. and they wanted him to go to a spread. Well, Glover had been running a, you know, a run first I'm familiar option with Glover offense. Too, yeah. And so <clears throat> they, um, it took about half a season, but about halfway through the season, something clicked with them. And all of a sudden they, they won out the rest of the games that season and made the first round of the playoffs end up getting beat or whatever, but still like look like a totally different team later on. And I look at this Arkansas team and I, you know, um, like you were talking about with KJ, KJ came here with the hurry up, no huddle. I think that's what he ran in high school. That's what, you know, he, he signed under Chad Morris to do that. And then that's what Browse did. Okay. So the tempo thing, the tempo thing, he seemed to, and, you know, you would watch him and he would seem to really get into the tempo, you know, whenever he would get the tempo going, you know, it seemed to be, he seemed to be at his best. They're not doing that anymore, really. Um, you know, the <clears throat> one of the things that Pittman was asked when he, when Enos asked him, said, do you want me to keep the language as close to what Browse did or change it? To, he says, no, I want you to do what you're used to. So they've gotcha. changed the language for all the players. And we had one of the offensive linemen on here, <clears throat> and we were asking him about a one of the fourth and one plays that got, you know, people complained about. You oh, know. yeah. Yeah, I've read all and that. He and he said, uh, he said that play wasn't even supposed to be a play. The call was freeze. But there was a uh -huh. miscommunication, and the ball got snapped. They were gonna. Oh, they were gonna oh. take the ball. That's why. And Pittman's never said that in any of his press conferences. He's, he's just, never said that. That player told he us on work. here. Um, That's right. And I admire him for taking the heat on that too. Not one of his players. Yeah, and so, um, but that's why. If you, I went back and watched it, and our left guard just was still in his stance, you know. And everybody said, you know, was complaining about him, saying, "Look at him. He's terrible. He didn't even get out of his stance." Because he wasn't supposed to. He was supposed to hold his water there. Do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. So, so do you, I mean, am I right there that a lot of this transition is the transition of the offense? There's a lot of little things like that, just communication and, and, and things like that. And like you said, you know, of course, you mentioned some of it may just not fit these players best, but some of it, the communication stuff, that, that's stuff that's maybe fixable as you go through the season. Well, you, you hope it is with time and repetition and, and in the meeting room and film room and just out on the practice field, you hope that it's fixable. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the disadvantage that that Arkansas has is, once again, they're playing across from some grown men. Yeah. 
you know, you're having to hurry up and learn things and you got a guy beating your head in that's going to be making $25 million next year. Uh, you know, that's a hard lesson. Yeah. And what you hope over time, you know, those freshmen and sophomores that they kind of grow up a little bit and respond to the, the duress and start getting better at what they do. But it's a hard place to learn that too. Yeah. Going against the best there is. Yeah. Now, one of the things that everyone was happy about this last game, I'm not happy about. What is that? Well, Arkansas had zero penalties this last game, which I know you as a head coach, you're thrilled with that stat. But when you consider there was 12 tackles for loss. Seven sacks. Seven sacks. I remember a play in a spring game because it wasn't actually a real game, obviously. Um, but but no, it was a fourth and three. You call 48 or 49, I believe, which okay. if I remember that play, you almost pull. It's a zone play. You take three steps, then you cut up field zone, zone block and play. Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? That's right. It's wide zone. Yeah. And so I remember Charlie Larimore beat me across my face. I am beat. It is fourth and three. So I just fall down and I hook both his legs and just take him out from under him. You know why? Because I thought we had a better chance on fourth and 13 than we did the ball going the other way. Yes, absolutely. So it it actually upsets me. I mean, it, you get what I'm getting at. Would you feel the same way that I do about that? About those yeah, things? I understand what you're saying. And I think most of the time when people get upset about penalties, it's those non-aggressive penalties. Hmm. Yes, sir. You know, where you, you line up offsides or you yeah. have a procedure penalty, you got too many men on the field. You know, those are the kind of penalties that really set you off. And, and uh, you know, the other ones are when you use a horrible technique and, <laughs> and then you have to tackle somebody. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, sometimes people are just better than you. The uh, When I was in college, my roommate in college was an offensive lineman, a guy named Benji Pierce, who passed away uh, spring ago, one of my best friends in the world. And uh, what he used to do when he got overmatched, when they he would try to square up on them where they would hit him in the middle, and then he would just lock his hands underneath their shoulder pads and fall backwards, you know, like they just ran over him. I mean, that, that was his – when he yeah. couldn't stop a guy, he'd just hold him and fall backwards, and it'd be like, guy just ran over me, you know. Yeah. But yeah. he gave the quarterback another second and a half to throw the ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, the center we had right before you got there, Jeremy Fulgham, he was a master at that technique. Oh, okay. This ball back. Yeah, so I'm very – I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. So I've seen players in the pros use that, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've out, seen them out get, of necessity. It's not because they want to. I I've, se, I've seen them get called for holding too, because they their hands get a little too when they get knocked down. Their hands get too far out. And, yeah, you can't let them get, get real it. wide. No, yeah. you can't. No. Now, one of the things I do run the the risk of getting becoming here is the grumpy old man that goes back in my day. That's right. It happens with age. Go ahead. It, it happens. I'm 47 years old. And Travis is 47. Coach, you're not a day over 50. Um, so, so, but we've got the calendar slip a few times, but the game has changed. 
it's Absolutely. just uh, to me, everybody's grappling about the Arkansas running game. And I and, and but it's I see it across college football. Offensive linemen don't fire off the ball anymore. You very rarely see games where pe- where the offensive line's driving people back. Sure. Is that becoming a lost art? How has offensive line play changed through the years? And why are we seeing that? Well, it, it's a finesse game, and then there's so much of the uh, RPO stuff. You know, when all that started, it was real easy for offensive linemen because the officials did a horrible job of calling linemen downfield. Mm. I mean, I, I've seen passes. I'm, I'm going back several years, but I've seen passes completed where the offensive lineman was deeper than the wide receiver. Yeah. And they just quit calling it. And, of course, as they should, the defensive coaches pitched a fit and, and you know, just hammered and hammered and hammered. Because you know, a lot of times, particularly as you are playing safety, you're trying to key the offensive line, and you see them fire off five yards down the field, you come up and make a play, and they throw a pass behind you? Are you kidding me? No. I mean, there's nothing fair about that at all. Anyway, so they're trying, they're getting that under control a little bit more. So as you've got those options, as you come off the ball, everything is a finesse and a fit on the line of scrimmage because the quarterback may pull it and throw it downfield. And so trying to really, you know, we're going to double this guy and I'm going to slide up to the linebacker level as fast as I can. Well, if it is some kind of option play, all of a sudden you're too deep, you know, and and that's a horrible penalty when you got linemen downfield, but uh, the game has changed. It, it, It has, it really has. Yeah, because you just don't see them. I mean, uh, um, you just don't see – I mean, I don't see them driving people off the ball. Because, you know, I, I remember there was one game the second-team offensive line was in, and you said, hey, Clint, your next drive, go in. And I'm like, sweet. So I'm over there stretching. You know, get him a little stretch. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. But the second-team offensive line drove the ball the entire, down, the entire way downfield chewed a ridiculous amount of time off the clock. And I remember Coach Cronin coming over there like, guys, I didn't call one pass play that entire drive. Mm-hmm. Drove down, scored a touchdown. Just you don't see that anymore. Like when they need to run, like there's five minutes left in the game, let's end this. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you, don't, you just don't see teams do that anymore because it's just all spread out and they want to pass and they get mad that they can't do it, but they don't do it anymore because the game's not played that way anymore. No, and you got to practice anything you're going to be good at. You got to practice it. It's just that simple. And, uh, you know, the contact, uh, and I guess it's for the good, but the contact and practice has been cut back a lot. Uh, There are a lot of people that have a philosophy about let's just make sure everybody gets to Saturday. You know, and, and not. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. You know, you've got to build a certain amount of toughness. Yes, sir. And at the end of the day, football is a contact sport. Yeah. And and rightfully so, they've tried so hard to make reduce the injuries. And, and, and I get that, but uh, there's no substitute for hitting another human as you're practicing. You know, well, there's you, no substitute for taking a hit from another human. No, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, your body used to it. 
even at the NFL level, you see guys that are players that do not do any preseason stuff at all. Yeah. The first time they get into action is the first game. And sometimes the results are not so good. You know, the first time they've really been hit. And I understand you've got $50 million invested in that quarterback. Yeah. You got him jacked up in practice. Guess what? You're gone. Yeah. And so there's there's a line to stand close to without going over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the illustration I always use, Coach, and Clint will understand this for sure because, you know, Clint's done some of his uh, professional wrestling. Um, but, you know, but uh, I actually introduced Clint to a guy, a friend of mine who was a was a wrestler and he had a, he trained other wrestlers a lot and uh, he had a ring in his yard and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> well, the first lesson he always did was what Clint? What was the first lesson you did? I remember just taking a bump. You learned how to fall. Yeah. Taking a bump, learning how to fall for like an hour, hour and a half. You just learned how to fall. You start off holding onto the ropes and you fall back. You learn how to spread out so it doesn't hurt your back. You no, know, and so and and that's all you do. The first practice, that's all you do is you know. And I did the first practice with them one time, and um, I decided I didn't like falling that much, so I didn't I didn't do it. But uh, Clint kept going. Knocked down, so I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> but you know, and that's the that's the key to that professional wrestling. You know, everyone says it's fake. Well, no, it's not all fake. It, it's what it is is they they may know a move's coming. So they know how to take it so that their body is in the right place because they practiced it. Yeah. And in football, I think it's the same way. <laughs> you got to learn how to take a tackle. You know, you got to, your body has to know how to, how to fall, right. How to, how to take tackles, right. And, yeah. and you're and right. You there, the football too. There's a happy medium there. And, uh, oh, uh, Dan Campbell, he's the coach for the Lions. Yep. Former tight end. NFL tight end. Yeah. And uh, on that show, Hard Knocks last year, they did more tackling, more, uh, you know, physical practices. And some of the guys were complaining about it. And he had a, they showed a meeting he had with them. He said, look, guys, he said, I know, I know y'all, some of y'all aren't liking this, but he said, I'm doing it to protect you. He said, there's studies that show that, if you don't do enough, you're more apt to get hurt. And there's studies that show that if we do too much with you, then you're going to get hurt. So we're trying to find that happy medium so you can go sure. out there and be the best. Yep. And I thought that was really good because you don't hear that because you start telling coaches they need to hit more and they're like, no way, never, you know. <laughs> don't want to take a chance of getting people injured. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that that goes on. You know, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, Coach, is obviously your background before you became head coach was offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. Yep. But you were mainly the offensive – well, I mean, offensive line coach is what I know you as other than a head coach. So, your, your experience – so, one of the things Arkansas struggling at is offensive line. Yep. Now, you you after, after I graduated, you kind of took a step back, let someone else coach offensive line and became more of a CEO head coach and kind of oversaw the entire operation. Yeah. With the offensive line struggling like this, how hard is it to 
I mean, are you cut? Are you kind of stepping in, saying, "All right, we I got to help get this fixed," because are are you kind of still empowering your guy, sticking what you're doing? What what? How do how would you approach this, Coach? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because probably one of my biggest regrets was giving up the offensive line. It you know, really is. Co Coach Ricano said that you pretty much hired yourself out of a job when you replaced yourself. Yeah. And, and that, that's uh, one thing Coach Cono said to me. Um, I don't think you'd mind me saying that or sharing uh, it with you. He probably told you the same thing to your face. Uh, I will, and, and here's was my thought process, and then I'll get to your question a little bit. I was also the athletic director, and my time was all over the place, as you talk about dealing with the other sports and all that. And I felt like the offensive line wasn't getting the attention off the field that they should be, like all the other position players were getting. And so that's when I made a decision to hire an offensive line coach where that coach could deal with issues off the field and, and would have more time, develop that, that closeness, that bond, all those things. Uh, but as I look back, I, I wish I'd never done it. I wish I kept coaching the offensive line and then just try and do my best to help people off the field. Uh, you know, go ahead. I'd even, say, I'd even say to your credit as a coach, I, I was terrible when you got there. But I think by the time you left, like if you had to count on me for a quarter here and there, I think you felt like you probably could have done it. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. but I mean, thankfully, we're never in that situation. That meant the people ahead of me were staying healthy. But I'm talking about, you know, I feel like I improved so much from year one to graduating that. Oh, no doubt. No so, doubt. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like I came a long way. It's still, there was just the talent. I mean, like me, you've talked four talent levels, what talent level is. Yep. There were guys just more talented than me. But I learned a lot and had a lot of progress, I thought. No doubt. No doubt. And, and I'm sure Coach Pittman is torn because he wants to do the right thing and he wants to support his coaches and, uh, doesn't want to look like he's meddling, but he's an offensive line coach. And you know that every sack that they give up, he, he's just got to be tearing, you know, just tearing him up on the inside. And, um, you know, and, and then you got to get back to once again, I'm, I'm, I'm reverting backwards, but what can these guys do? Can they protect a five step drop? Can they protect a seven step drop? Well, if they have, and I'm not saying this, but if they've proven to you that they can't, don't call those plays. Don't call them. You know, if you know that when you drop back, you know, if you're in some kind of five-step drop rhythm and the quarterback's not going to have time to throw, it doesn't matter how brilliant the right the route is or how open somebody might be. If the quarterback is getting hit, it does not matter. So you've got to look at what those guys can do. You know, does everything need to be play action? Do we need to have neckage? Do we need to have boots? Um, you know, I, I I don't know. Does everything need to be a three-step drop? Don't know. You know, I'd, I'd have to really study, but. Um, right. Well, and it does seem like some of the plays they're calling coach seem to be slow developing, if you will. Uh, you know, like they're, you know, they're, and that, and that was one of the, that was one of the critiques of Enos when he was there before, you know, was some of the times he would make play calls that were 
slow developing. You know, they that the receiver was designed to be hit on, you know, second or third move or something in the route or, you know, on downfield. You know, yeah, it's great if you got time. Yeah, he's about the best deep ball thrower in the country. I mean, he throws a beautiful deep ball. But he's also a quarterback that laying on your back. Yeah, yeah, but he's also a quarterback that's been used to some quick hitting, you know, routes over the last few years, and and he's not he's not seeing as many of those, I don't think. And so, Uh, another thing you see when you read the newspapers or listen to the news. his maturity level seems to be very high. Mm-hmm. You know, he's well, and everybody up there, you know, and I know the fans are getting on the offensive line, but everybody else is, there's nobody throwing anybody under the bus. No. And anytime that you start losing three game losing streak, blah, 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 blah. Then, you know, particularly with younger players, they may look at, you know, it's this other guy's fault. It's not me. No, you're a team. You're all in it together. So, you know, you, you got to do your best and, you know, get ready for old Miss and go from now, there. Now, this week, there's been some big changes. Read that. He, made, he moved the right tackle to center, moved center out to guard, and one of the guards out to tackle. Yep. What do you think about making those kind of moves – what are we four games in? Uh, Five but games but in. But you're from Greenbrier, man. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> five five games in. But the uh, as an outsider, I would say that worries me a lot mm-hmm. because you've had spring ball, you've had summer, which obviously you're not out there hitting in the summer, but you've had summer to work with these guys. You've had all the preseason stuff in August. You ought to have a pretty good handle about who can do what, yeah, and what their their strengths are. So all of a sudden, you're you're five games into the season, almost halfway, and you're experimenting and moving all these people around. Um, yeah, that that worries me. Now it may turn out great, and obviously. Um, and I've got a really good friend that's coaching at Ole Miss right now on the defensive side of the ball. And Ole Miss is not very good on defense. Yeah. So it may all go out there and, you know, and maybe it's matchups. Maybe they're looking at something with Ole Miss's defensive line and saying, you know, if we get this guy in this place and this guy in this place, you know, the, we're getting the matchups we want. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But on the surface, as an outsider that's not up there in practice every day, yeah, that's uh, that that worries me. It just doesn't uh, yell confidence, does it? No, it, it it doesn't. It doesn't. You just got to have faith. The coaches know what they're doing. But once again, you've had all this time to figure out whose talents are best at what position. And I don't know enough about like who's been injured and all those kind of things. Right, yeah. Well, that up yeah. And maybe that's part of the, the issue. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know there. Manuel, Devin Manuel, they're starting left. Well, him and Chamley have been kind of rotating the left tackle. He's had issues staying injured. And we always read between the line at the press conference where they're like, Manuel's the better player, but Chamley's practicing. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And now, how hard he deserves to play. Well, how hard is something like that divvying up playing time as a head coach? Um, If you got, I know, um, I know what happened to Matt Nelson. He had a shoulder injury his senior year, and you let Myers start in front of him because Myers had practiced all week. Um, And I 100% agree with that decision. But how hard is it divvying up the playing time when you've got a proven starter who's probably a little bit better football player, but you've got a backup that's been practicing? Do you try to get them 50-50 or you try to get your number one guy out there more? How do you you try to handle a situation like that, Coach? Well, the guy that's practicing has got to play. If over the course of time, if you develop a reputation of – I can be hot or I can be sick or whatever, and I can not practice on Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but I can come back on Thursday and be the starter on Saturday. That's a message to everybody. Yeah. You know, not, not, not only to the guy that's playing second team behind him, but to everybody else on the team. You're like, Clint, he's been sitting over there on his butt half the week and he gets to start. Yeah. Or over half the week. And, and, you know, there's a. And I did half those things. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they, um, but that, 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 that's a hard deal. You know, when a guy's practicing and the other guy's not practicing. Yeah. He deserves to play. Yeah. Yeah. It is okay. tough. Now, is that now he shuffled around the offensive line? you know, moved parts over. It could be a matchup thing. Would you be more apt as a head coach to go that way or maybe like, okay, let's get this other guy in a game a little bit more. Maybe he's a gamer and he ain't showed me in practice what he might be able to do in a game. Yeah, and once again, not being on the inside up there. Oh, I know. know, We're speaking in generalities here. Yeah, I I would have a tendency to say this guy that's been practicing at right tackle for – 10 weeks, let's give him a shot. Let's see what's happening. Let's, you know, uh, Steve is not getting it done. We got to find somebody that can get it done. And, and once again, at that level, there's so many great athletes. So as you're thinking, you've got to think, okay, we got to get our, our five best athletes out there in the offensive line, which I, I don't know. You know, yeah. if you've got the the difference, and 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 people have played in the line, there's a lot of difference technique wise in between all three of those positions: center, guard, tackle. So much different technique wise. There is, yeah. Uh, so if you've got a guy that for ten weeks has been practicing at tackle and practicing those techniques, I would have a tendency to give him a shot before I start trying to shuffle things around. Yeah. It makes sense for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it does or not, but yeah, <laughs> no, it 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 no it it does, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you. Now, now, obviously losing three in a row. Have you you ever? I mean, I know you probably tried to forget it if you did, but have you ever lost three in a row? Oh, I'm sure that I have. I I, I swear I don't really remember. Uh, right. You know, the first year that I came to Tech uh, came in the summertime. And didn't know anybody on the team. Didn't know 90% of the coaching staff. I mean, I knew them, but I'd never worked yeah. with them. I, there, was, there was a couple of guys that I'd known 
just as how you know people, you know, yeah. just friends or whatever. So it, it, it was a challenge and, um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to lead to, but well, you know, obviously we you hit hard times in in the locker room to get to the mountain. You've got to go through plenty of valleys, and you even seem like you go down into you go down quite a bit. What what kind of things are you doing as a head coach to kind of keep the team's focus when you're when you're going through something like this? Well, it all depends on your team. You know, if you got a bunch of guys that are going out there every day and they got a good attitude and they're working hard you need to be as positive as you can with them. Appreciate your effort. We're going to keep working. We're going to get better. We're going to get our break. You know, something good is going to happen to us. Now yeah. the flip side is you got a bunch of malcontents that all they want to do is complain and, you know, talk about this isn't fair, that isn't fair, you know, locker room lawyers, all those kind of things. Um, you know, then you have to start trying to eliminate people. Yeah. Okay. Can you please, for because I've never heard that term before, and I need to hear the definition by head coach Steve Mullins. Locker room lawyer. Locker room lawyer. That's a guy that comes in off the practice field, and, you know, coach has been on his butt, and he's like, oh, this coach, he doesn't know anything. I, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing that. And he's working us too hard, or he's not working us hard enough. Which that's nobody ever says that. Yeah, I've never uttered those words. Yeah, no, no one's ever said that. But yeah. uh, you know, they they want to try to litigate, and they want to get everybody in the locker room to say, "Oh, you know, Clint, you're right, and you're being mistreated, and coach is not fair to you, and he's not fair to anybody." They're trying to win over a jury. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're trying to win, win, win over your peers, where at the end of the day, guess what? You are – I'm at a loss for words because I'm trying to use good words. Right. You know, you're, you're not a very good um, – Not a very good teammate at that point. Not a very good teammate. And you know what? Maybe you're not a very good football player. Yeah. And, and – um, you know, you try to stir up things instead of going into the locker room and say, you know what, here's what we got to do to get better. Yeah. You know, it, it, all you want to do is bitch. All you yeah. want to do is complain. Yeah. Now, I noticed you have some nice furniture in, in, in behind you, nice bed, nice nightstands. Coach, um, how did you, how did you pay for all that stuff? What, what, what profession were you in? College football. College football. Now, would you rather play favorites or own that stuff behind you? I'd rather own that stuff. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just the reality. No, the idea that, that you would ever play anybody or any coach would ever yeah. play anybody because they like Billy better than Joey is just the dumbest argument yeah. ever that I ever hear. No one plays favorites. There is I, that. I, I've heard that same argument since the 70s. Yeah, that would be in the 1970s. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, so this coach, you know, take it to the highest level. This coach is making $5 million a year, and he wants to lose his job. Yeah. He wants to play the people that are not the best players. Yeah. 
because he wants to lose, lose his $5 million a year job. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, that's why I just, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like. And there's some, there's some fans calling in to call talk shows saying that. Yeah. That, yeah. That Finman's playing his favorites. He's not playing. Yeah. You know. how, and I'm sorry, but how stupid. Now, how, how stupid. now I'll is. tell you one of the things that does jump in my mind, I can't help but do it. Maybe it's the, the secret conspiracy theory person in the back of my head oh, or no. something. But with transfer portal NIL stuff, is there pressure on some of these coaches to give playing time to guys because they've made promises to them in order to keep them around, in order to get them to come? There is always going to be that pressure. There's always going to be that pressure. And you know what? If I'm the guy that gave you enough money to pay Clint Clark $300,000 a year, I expect to see Clint Clark playing. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me that I gave you three. You told me you need $300,000 to get Clint to come to school here. And now, now he's the third string. Yeah. yeah. You're telling me Clint can't play. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's, there's pressure there. And there's pressure about you have to re-recruit your whole team every year. Yeah. And to be honest, at the SEC level, there's a little bit less pressure than as you drop down. You know, if you're in the non-pay, if you're a – I'm just making up stuff off the top of my head. If you're a great player at Tulane mm – -hmm. And LSU and A&M and Alabama want you. You know, you were an All-American at Tulane. It's going to be hard for Tulane to hold on to you. Yeah. And then drop it down another level, which I see all the time. If you are uh, a great player at UCA, great mm -hmm. wide receiver at Louisville wants you, guess what? You're going to Louisville. That's right. Yeah. Let's drop it down again. Let's say you're a great defensive lineman at Southern Arkansas and UCA wants you. UCA gets you. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're one of the top three for the uh, defensive player of the year at, at that level. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there's, it's what? hard. It's hard to hold on to people with the transfer portal. You know, and one of the, we're talking a while back about how, it was, it was the podcast we had with you where you said the biggest change in college football was whenever they instituted scholarship limits. Yep. Really in the trickle-down effect that it had in lower divisions. Yep. Um, and I think really since then, this transfer portal is the second biggest change. Because well, you can't it's, – It's bigger than the scholarship. Yeah, it is. So, because oh, yeah, you can't stockpile talent anymore. You sign a five-star recruit and you expect him to redshirt, he ain't going to be there next year. No. Nope. And that's why I think that's part of what Travis was getting at was you've got a, you've got a, you know, if you've got a four-star guard and you're not going to, you think you're just going to redshirt him and not play him at all, it's going to be hard to do. Hi, Miss Liz. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> so we, uh, well, the so, other thing that made me wonder about that coach is, um, after the BYU game, okay, um, you know, we didn't have Rocket. He was hurt. And A.J. Green, the backup, 
one of the, one of the backups, you know, which we, we got our deep running back room. Um, he was the hottest hand of the running backs. Okay. The hottest hand of the running backs, but he only got nine carries. Not enough. And they were, and Pittman was asked, AJ was doing so well. Did you think about giving him more carries? You know, usually you go with a hot hand in that situation when you got several guys, the other guys, Dominion and, and uh, Johnson wasn't producing like that. So, you know, you'd go with that guy. And uh, he said, well, our plan was to get them all about equal. And that, that was his answer to that question. Yeah. Um, and, and so that made me think, okay, so has he made promises to those guys? I mean, yeah, your plan may be, okay, we're going to rotate these guys out and we're just going to pound it with them. But then when one of them's producing, man, you you go with the guy that's producing, you know. If, yeah, usually you do. Yeah, I mean, you do. And uh, I mean, now how would you? It, it sounded like that was kind of a, one of those evasive answers, but I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Once again, yeah. I'm not on the inside up there, so I, I don't know anything. But how would you handle that's, that? You no, know, you know, let's say you know we had Trav, Travis and Ed both playing, for example, Travis Horn. Ed Duncan, both all GSE players for you. Great players. Players. We had them in the, you know, Travis unfortunately broke his foot that championship year, but earlier in that year, you know, we had them both. I mean, would that be one of the things, let's just say, you know, Ed had busted off three 10 yards runs and then took one to the house and then he kept calling different plays. Would that be something where you'd override like, no, we need to get the ball in Ed's hands? Oh, absolutely. Or I mean, yeah. and, and normally I wouldn't have to do something like that, but yeah. uh, most good offense coordinators know, you know, here's the guy. You know, there might be one wide receiver that the other team absolutely cannot handle. Well, you, you'll be stupid not to keep throwing to him. That's right. And, and um, you know, it's it's all about matchups, and obviously you see that every every week on Sunday. And uh, when you can find that matchup, matchup, you try to exploit the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, and, you, and you don't always get that, but sometimes you do. Well, you go back to Houston Nut with um, with Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. That's right. Not enough carries in the game. That, but but whoever was hotter, I mean, a lot. Most of the time, it was Darren was the hot one. <laughs> yeah. But but there were times when Felix was was the guy that was, you know. Yeah, wasn't he yeah. averaging like 10 yards a carry or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah. ridiculous like that. I think for career, he was like around eight. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. You know, you, know, know, you see that, you think, uh, I should give him the ball to him more. That's Let's right. Let's bring yeah. the average down. That's right. But, um, you know, and, and, and that's what. And, of course, that's the other thing, you know. Of course, we're not up there. We don't know. We're not in the locker room. We're not at practice. We're not in those coaches' meetings. We're not in those meeting rooms. Thank you. That's right. But, but you also wonder in situations like this, and you kind of talked about it earlier, some of them taking leadership or whatever, but, you know, KJ's posting on Instagram. He's got a brand-new red Corvette, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, And he's, you know, he's buying that with NIL money, you know, and – <clears throat> there's people out there that say if you're a starting quarterback in the SEC, then you're bringing in a million dollars at least in NIL. 
Um, I don't know if that's for sure or not, but I know Rick Schaefer said that on, on drive time. So it's gotta be the truth, right? Uh, no comment. <laughs> we got that back pay coming from all them 77 jerseys they sold at Tech. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. They owe me some. But, um, on that. No but doubt. you know, that, that's that got to be tough to as a head coach. Imagine if you had that to wade through in the locker room. Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. And, see, I can't relate to that. Uh, and, you know, it's easy to be old school at my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, I will say this. I, I, I don't mind sharing this. I, I've got tons of friends, tons of friends that are coaching college football right now. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten in happiness, there may be a few at five. <laughs> right. It's got to be frustrating. It, it, it's, it's horrible. Damn. You know, with the NIL and with the transfer portal, you know, obviously the athletes have got a lot of power. And and there's nothing wrong with that if they had the maturity to match that power. Yeah. That's what yeah. the problem is. And, and some of them do, obviously. And, and some of them don't have that maturity to match the power they've got. And, and I know the argument about, you know, a coach can leave anytime he wants to and – all that kind of stuff, and you know, I, I, I get it. I get it. And, and college football is a billion-dollar business, and it needs to go down to the athletes. You know, I get that too. Um, but everything is so transitional. You know, you could you could have. I'm just going to make up somebody. You can have a great team at Sam Houston State, which obviously they're not right now. They just moved to Division One. And in a matter of less than a month, you could be down at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Because whatever, Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, they're looking at your roster thinking, yeah, that guy can come start for us right now. Hey, how much are you getting at Sam Houston? All, I, all I'm getting is my scholarship and everything paid for. Hey, guess what? You can get that here. Plus an extra thousand dollars a month. Yeah. That's where that kid's going to go. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned one of the things, one of the reasons you stepped out of coaching the offensive line was you didn't feel like they were getting the outside uh, off the field camaraderie attention that they needed attention fellow, you know, part of that's fellowship bonding, all those kinds of things, you know, well, imagine if you're trying to get a team to, to coalesce and work together and become one. But, you know, you're a second string offensive lineman. You don't have any NIO money. Okay. You may have yeah. a rights barbecue gift certificate to go get you a sandwich every now and then or whatever. That's right. That's right. I've been happy with that. <laughs> and, but the starting offensive lineman is, you know, getting 100,000. In them Lober Hendricks commercials, 100, 150. In them personal, I, I those commercials. commercials. You see them like they got the tar offs and lines standing next to Lober Hendricks. Like, come on, yeah, come on. but no, but I mean, that, that's got to be hard. I see what but I mean, get. you think about it, you're you're not going to want to hang out if you're the guy that's not getting nothing. You can't hang out with, I mean, like if you're if you're wanting to hang out with KJ, 
He's getting a million dollars. Hang out with KJ. You can't afford to hang out with him. You're not going to eat the same place. You can't afford to eat the same place as he does. He's going yeah. to the he's going to the steakhouse, and you're wanting to go to Chick Fil A. You know, I mean, That's or, right. you know, or the whatever. I mean, or that got to be so hard to manage as a coach whenever you know. Well, and when it's out of your control, because I'm I'd be sitting there looking at like Nelly, who's one of my, Matt Nelson, or starting left tackle probably one of my best friends in the world, him, him and Travis, two of my best friends in the world. But if, I mean, I, of course I'd be happy that he was making all this money, but there's still like, man, I'd like to make some of this money too. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would, you would, and, you know, it's got, and it's gotta be hard for, you know, the position coaches to not, cause in your back of your head, you know, there's going to be jealousy. Well, it's well, just like in real life. I mean, you, we tend to hang out with people that make similar salaries that we do i mean that's, that's just the way it is in the world i mean that's, right. that's why it's always been you live in neighborhoods the houses cost similar to what you're you're still yeah, what you, you can know, afford that's right drive everybody drives a car that's similar they vehicles and you know and so i mean sometimes those lines get crossed or whatever but and so trying to build a team now you have that you know that's something i don't think we think about a lot you know with this yeah, nil it, stuff yeah it, it's a tough call it is. And obviously, you know, if, if you got a billion dollar industry, the people that are providing the entertainment, you know, you want them to get their fair share. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It does. And, and you would, I guess, hope, and I don't know because I have no experience, zero. You would hope that that second team guy thinks when he goes to bed at night, here's what I got to do to be a first teamer. And when I'm first teamer, I'm going to make that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then somebody else through a friend of a friend tells you, Hey, you know what? You come to this school and you can make this much. Yeah. And, and there's not the, uh, once again, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. There is loyalty still out there. Let, let's back it up. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Okay. Division one they are now experiencing the division two model. And what I'm saying on that is division two, if you're fully funded, which some schools aren't anymore, you got 36 scholarships and you can divide them any way you want to. If I want to sign Clint for $500 and I want to sign Travis for $5,000, I can do that. Hmm. But let's say we're recruiting Travis. We want you to really come to our school. We're going to give you $5,000. Travis loves everything. He loves the school. He loves the coach. He loves his position coach. They've got the major that he wants. And this other school offers him 5,500. He's going to go to the other school. He's going to go, he's, you know, for another $500, he's going to go to another school. Hmm. Well, now you take it up to the highest level with the NIL, it's the same thing again. You can say, hey, I love Ole Miss better than anything in the world. That's always where I wanted to go. And they're offering me an NIL deal for $200,000 a year. And guess what? Mississippi State offers, or let's say Southern Miss. Southern Miss offers $250,000. Guess where I'm going? I'm going Southern Miss. Yeah, man. Even though Ole Miss has got everything I want. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, you get in a bidding war. But the difference is that Division Two, the money is finite. That's limited. 
Mm. So you get to a point where you can't, I can't go any higher. Good luck at that other school. We're done. Yeah. At that power five level. Empty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just bottomless. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's bottomless. You know, at some point, it, it, yeah, you got yeah. to stop. But, um, you know, it's just like, uh, and I'm sure you read this too. You know, SMU's changing conferences. For them to change conference, they said, you know what? We give up our television money for nine years. <laughs> So you're talking about 40, 50, 60 million dollars for nine years. We're just giving it up. So from the point they joined, seven days later, they raised 100 million dollars for the football program, or should hmm. I say athletics? 100 million dollars with 30 donors. Hmm. Wow. Stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Uh, well, this is SMU we're talking about. You remember back when the when they SMU players had to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. That's right. Back in the Pony Express days, yeah. Dickerson and yeah. I had a friend on SMU staff when they got the death penalty. Oh. Uh, mm. Anyway, yeah. yeah now, now if you don't mind, I just want to ask about that because now you had a friend there and you ain't got to name his name. Did he see it coming? Did he see it coming or was he kind of surprised when they dropped the axe? As far as yeah, there was rumors about it. Maybe it's going to happen. But the whole thing was uh, was the arrogance behind it. Yeah. You know, Clint, you're cheating. We know you're cheating. We've got all the facts. Uh, we don't want Travis the booster to show up anymore. And you're out there with Travis every day. We told you not to associate with Travis. Ah, don't worry about it. We're going to have Travis out here every day. Yeah. Guess what? You got your arrogance got you hammered. Well, they had a lot of them guys that they had them on contract. Yeah. There's I mean, a lot of things going on. If you're going to cheat, don't, don't leave a paper trail. Well, and I think, I think, I still everything, think everything's got to be cash. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the extreme of the penalty surprised everybody. On that one, I, th- I think yeah, no one thought they would. Nobody wanted to sell. Nobody above the law, and here's what we're going yeah. to do. And they were making a we're statement. Gonna, we're going to put the fear of God into everybody about cheating. And part of it was that arrogance, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, you're going to thumb your nose at us. Guess what? We're going to hammer you. That's right. Well, coach, the hogs are in this gauntlet of a yeah of a <laughs> road of of road games right now. So this is probably the most difficult time to make changes <laughs> and uh, to try to, you know, improve, you know, you got these four road games in a row. Of course, we're past two of them now. Yep. We still have Ole Miss and Alabama. Yay. Yeah. Coming up next. Um, what do you, what do you kind of just your best guess? What do you kind of foresee for the rest of the season for them? You think they, they get some things figured out and, Put together, oh, I, I, I think they do. You know, they it's all about time, and obviously, the first part of the schedule was probably the weakest part of the schedule, mm. and then the middle part is the hardest part, yeah. And then, if you survive the middle with the proper attitude and, and everybody staying healthy and all that, you know, you, you've got a chance as you get to the back end of your schedule to put some things together, yeah. You know, 
and, and once again, what very little I know, you know, as you look at Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida International, and I know Missouri's five and zero right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll see more about that after this weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there's games that you see in the future that you think, you know what, we're better than them. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Florida, which once again, I know nothing, but it sure is hard to figure them out. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you've got these games that as an outsider seem very achievable. Yeah. You got Ole Miss and the biggest thing that helps you with Ole Miss is defensively. They're not very good. Yeah. Now, can you get in a shootout with Ole Miss's offense? Hmm. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alabama seems to be hitting their stride defensively, which, uh, and you got to go play over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's one thing, um, that, one thing that, you know, and part of the reason I wanted to have you on talk about offensive line play was Alabama's looked like their offensive line looks about like Arkansas's. I mean, they, they're, they're struggling on the offensive line right now. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. They, they, they seem to be, coming together a little bit and I don't know it's hard for me to put into words but there are uh, thanks to coach Saban they're very methodical in what they do mm. well and, and they uh and they usually as time goes on they do and they they've shown a, a pattern of improving yeah and and you know they're trying to figure out you know when you look at all the years with uh, Tua, Jalen Hurts, um, Mac Jones, who's the other? I'm leaving out another NFL. Oh, uh, the guy uh, that's out there now, Young. Uh, mm. You know, all those guys are starting in the NFL. That's the quarterbacks they've had yeah. over the last six, seven years. NFL starters. And yeah. so now they're figuring out what they can do with the guy they got now. And they went through that period, you know, and I watch Alabama play too, where they're trying to figure out who their best quarterback is. Yeah. And obviously that's settled now. Mm. And, you know, they're smart enough to try to what 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 is this guy's talent? What is he good at? What is he not good at? Hey, guess what? Let's don't do the things he's not good at. Yeah. yeah. And so they seem to be progressing a little bit. Obviously, a big game with Texas AM. Uh you know, A&M's a defense is the real deal. Yeah. I mean, they're the real deal. And, and so, uh, you know, I don't know which way that goes. It's at, is it at A&M? It is, isn't it? I think it I is. Believe, I think so, yeah. I think so, so yeah. that's going to be a huge challenge. They get past A&M, uh, they may just take off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope they don't take off next week because I do hope Arkansas finally, first time since 2006. Beats Alabama, but that's uh, Houston Nutt was the head coach. We're gonna have to see some uh, improvements this week if we're gonna see that for sure. That's right, coach. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. This has been great. No, I've no, it's been a lot of fun. I was like, man, I need to have Mullins on just talk football with him. Yeah, just great insights, coach. We we do appreciate it, man. Okay, hey, I need my t shirt. Yes, sir. I will come and I will we'll go somewhere. He still ain't got you a t-shirt. No, he ain't got me a had, t-shirt. We had lunch that one time and I forgot to bring it. Oh uh, man! And even I paid for lunch, but his brisket was dry and I felt bad. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm gonna give you credit. You did pay for my lunch. I did not expect that. And I'm pretty <laughs> 
no. So we'll, we'll, we'll run it back and I'll bring you and Miss Liz a shirt. And uh, that way you can walk around with a, with a, with my fit and my face on your chest. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> with hair on your head. That's hair right. on my head. Thanks, Travis. Thanks coach. We appreciate you, man. And uh, God bless you. And uh, keep spoiling that grandkid. Sounds good. Thank y'all. <laughs> Sweat. One. Yeah.